from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome to Ruthie's Table 4, a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. A few years ago, Serpentine, a small museum in the center of Hyde Park, gave a party to celebrate its new chairman, Mayor of New York, Michael Bloomberg. There must have been 300 people in the pavilion, and we listened to the mayor say, when government can't do everything, private philanthropy has to step in. We're just lucky enough to be able to step in. A true dictum, but what I remember most from his moving speech was the ending. Come to New York City, and if you do, and want to have coffee or lunch, just call me. This is my number. I did go to New York City soon after, number in hand. I never made that call, something I'll always regret. But here I am, almost 10 years later, having the coffee with Mayor Bloomberg, ready to talk. Ready to talk. Would you like to read the recipe? I would be happy to. Do you have it there? Okay, uh, serve six. Two tablespoons. Oh, you need to say linguine with fresh and dry. Well, I, I was started that and you I said don't. I know I interrupted don't. you. Who's running this? You, you or are. me? Okay. I think I, we both are. <laughs> linguine with fresh and dried oregano. And since I have not had lunch yet, this is a perfect time to focus on it. The size of this is it serves six unless I eat two portions. <laughs> How do you do it? Two tablespoons fresh oregano, finely chopped. One tablespoon dried oregano, crumbled. Don't be obsessive here. Twelve red cherry tomatoes. Twelve yellow cherry tomatoes. 100 milliliters extra virgin olive oil. One tablespoon red wine vinegar. 300 grams of linguine. Want me to tell you how to put, combine these things? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, tell you mix the, the fresh and dried oregano together, step one. Step two, chop the tomatoes and combine with the olive oil, the red wine vinegar, sea salt, and black pepper. Three, you set it aside to marinate, which means time to go do something else. Then next step is you cook the linguine in a generous amount of boiling salted water, then drain and return to the pan. And last step, you toss with the oregano mixture and the marinated tomatoes over a high heat and then serve on very hot plates. Don't touch the plates. Don't touch the plates. You need to have a hot plate because the sauce isn't hot. 
it's tossing in raw vegetables. Always so, do it that way. Okay, when I so make oregano at home. Do you, well, you always make oregano. <laughs> so tell me about My pasta. mother cooked you, everything yeah. in a pressure cooker Did or you? straight out of the can. Okay. My mother never saw a kitchen she liked. Really? One time I did come home from Boy Scout camp and I said the food was better at Boy Scout camp than at home. And she said, why don't you go back? Oh, okay. And so did she, what did you eat at home then? What would you have? It was uh, Del Monte peas straight out of the can cooked right. in the water that comes with the peas. Mm -hmm. It was brisket or chicken. Oh, brisket. So she mm. made brisket. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, in a pressure cooker or something. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember. But uh, it... Uh, the recipes that she used were good enough to get her to 102 years in perfect yeah. health. Yeah, and to give you an appreciation of food, or did that come later? If you grew up with this food, what was it like? Food was relatively plain. Most things that I see on her menu today, she wouldn't have known what they were and certainly didn't serve them. But the food and the process brought us together. Yeah. And there was my sister and I, sister two years younger, mother and father. Father worked as a bookkeeper, made $6,000 the best year of his life. But what mother, year are we talking about? He was born in 05. I was born in 42. Mm -hmm. So this is, let's say, 50s, yeah. early 50s. And we had a rule, we, my mother's rule, we waited for my father to come home. And okay. he, they didn't travel in those days, so mm -hmm. it was always together. But... We waited. We what sat as a family. Six o'clock-ish. My sister and I set the table. My father helped in clearing the table and doing the dishes. My mother did the cooking and the dishes. And uh, we sat around, and my father had a procedure. He'd pick on somebody, of the, any one of the four, including himself, and that person had to spend two minutes saying what they did that day. Mm -hmm. And then the conversation had to be, everybody else chiming in about that conversation, about that subject of what they did, and then we go to the next person. And we did it virtually every night, and I tried to do it with my daughters, but everybody traveled, including me, yeah. and it just didn't work out. Would you be thinking about what you were going to say about your day? But did you? Yeah, you had to day? think about it because, yeah. well, oh, here's a good rule for everybody, and yeah. if they followed this rule, uh, the world would be a lot better place. Uh, don't do anything that you'd be ashamed to tell your kids about when you went home at night. Mm. And if everybody followed that rule, we'd have a lot less problems. Okay. Would you continue this conversation all, every dinner that, till you left home? Yeah, maybe we missed it occasionally. Yeah. I don't remember, but yeah. yes, basically. It also teaches you to listen, doesn't it? It teaches, teaches you to listen, talk and, teaches and you to how listen. to defend yourself, yeah. teaches you how to speak uh, yeah. to others. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I've in the last few weeks I've talked to Nancy Pelosi. I've talked to President Biden's sister, who's just written a book about her. I didn't even and, know he had a sister. Yeah, Val That's Biden. She worked in the campaign, huh. and she's just written a book called "Growing Up Biden" because when his children, you know, his son and his wife were killed, she yeah. kind of moved in to take care of the two two children and cooked for them, age twenty six. But she said, you know, there is a lot of description from that generation of family meals, of sitting around a table. Do your children, do, are you a grandfather? Do you have grandchildren? I have three grandkids, an yeah. eight-year-old boy who hits a golf ball almost as far as I can at mm -hmm. age 80, a uh, seven and three-quarter-year-old granddaughter who's learning Mandarin, yeah. and a 
10-week-old grandson. Huh. That's nice. And do they have family meals the way you did with your parents, or is it a different way? Yeah, of- I think so. Yeah, I don't think I do it's too. quite as organized. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, today families come and go around the table. We do not have what I call the Norman Rockwell families anymore. Norman Rockwell used to paint the pictures on the cover of the Saturday Evening Post, Post. was it? Yeah. Seven Post. Post. And he, uh, his, one of his most famous pictures was a father, a mother, a boy, and a younger daughter, the traditional family mm. uh, with a, ta- a turkey in the middle or mm. something on the table. Mm. And the way I describe it, we don't, or very few kids are lucky enough to have a Norman Rockwell family yeah. in this day and age. Yeah. Too many single families, too many broken families. There's too many people having to do two jobs or working night shifts and you know, not lots being of able to... Yeah, but society is different. Yeah. We, you know, we think that the Zoom replaces the water cooler at work. It does not. Yeah. And... Uh, we think that families can come and go without serious conversations between parent and child. Mm. And parents are unwilling to face difficult issues with their children, confront them, help them, guide them. There's more of an attitude of, oh, education is responsible, is the responsibility of teachers. No, education is the responsibility of parents. Teachers can help. Mm. Uh, and that's why some cultures where there's a premium in the culture on education, the parents work with their kids sometimes till two in the morning, helping them, guiding them, giving them advice, listening to them, working out, helping them work out problems, uh, social problems or mathematical problems, whatever it is. But I also think you invested in education. And I think that if we do invest in educating people who will be parents, then they will also be better. better well, I, I, if you want to solve the problems of poverty and crime and um, discrimination, those things can only be done if we work together. Yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. 
If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. If your father was born in 1905, where was your grandfather born? Someplace in Eastern Europe. So they emigrated. He wasn't even sure where he came from. Both your mother and your father's parents immigrated? They were immigrants? My mother's uh, parents were one generation earlier. Yeah. And did they bring the culture of food that they grew up with, do you think? Did they have Eastern Europe? I don't remember any. Well, no, because keep in mind, my parents were born in America. Mm Mm-hmm. So, mm. but were the, your grandparents around at all in your life? Uh, grandfather, grandmother on one side, grandfather on the other. But in those days, coming from overseas, you tried to strip out and throw away all the culture, whether it's food or clothing or religion or even names. Mm. We uh, anglicized yeah. our names. Yeah. Today, it's the reverse. Uh, I'm. Uh, a Dominican uh, American. I'm an Italian American. In the olden days, you would say I'm an American. In the great migration waves in the 20s, it was become as American as you could possibly mm, the melting be. Melting pot, do you remember? The melting yeah. pot. We were talking yeah. about I mean, the sometimes it was comical because they didn't really understand what they were doing, yeah. or the, they thought Americans were doing something they weren't. Yeah. But it all worked out, and... Uh, those were the days when America really added an enormous amount to its culture because it came from all around the world. And the food culture of New York. Yeah, As, absolutely. You know, it is identified by Chinatown, about little, yeah, absolutely. Now little those Tokyo, places, Korea. Chinatown is down to one street, and on either side of those streets, there are other cultures that yeah. have moved, ethnicities yeah. that have moved in. Yeah. And the Chinese population has spread themselves around the city or out in the suburbs without being interested in as being as close to others of the same ethnicity. There's still areas where people go, Astoria, Queens, for example. It's all immigrants, and they live in tight communities. But their children are going to schools with other kids of other ethnicities, and they will live outside of those communities. They tend not to stay in them. And in, in terms of the culture of food, I, when I've talked to a lot of people who are children of immigrants, it seems like the, the grandmother kept the food, you know, the mother assimilated, and the children totally rejected. Oh, you know? uh, and, and the children never speak the language. When they say they speak it, it's a joke. They don't yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, America, somebody once said to me, is the death of foreign languages. Mm, and that's crazy. basically true. Yeah. And I don't think that the world understands how isolated America is, and something like two-thirds of the members of Congress and the Senate don't have passports. George Bush only had a passport because his father was the ambassador to China. Isn't that right? Think about that. And and they vote on things that impact the world. Very scary. scary. What about when you moved from your mother's house and father's house? Did you go to university? I went to college in Baltimore, Johns Hopkins. Then I went to Harvard Business School, and I lived in Cambridge, 15 minutes away from where my mother was Mm -hmm. living. My father was deceased already. 
And if my mother hadn't lived close, I never would have gotten through because she had to type my papers. I can't type and I can't spell for oh, sure, yeah. much to her so embarrassment. So you went home to, to Harvard Business School. She, she was able to type two papers. Yeah, sure. And then, what did you eat on campus? Did you go to rest? Did you start going uh, to restaurants? They had restaurants? Well, they had a lunch at hall. We'd eat there. Did I certainly didn't have ever, the money to go out to many no. restaurants. Did your parents ever take you to a restaurant? Yes, we went to Carol's Diner in Medford Square. Uh, and one restaurant in Malden, and I met somebody recently whose family owned Carol's Diner. And it was just one, was there? Was uh, it, yeah, the yeah. only diner. Did we ever go to a fancy restaurant? Probably never. At least I certainly don't remember it. A minuscule number of times. Yeah. When you moved to New York, were you? Uh, when I was in, when I got to New York, I cooked all my own Did meals for the okay. first two or three meals, Tell me about it. two what or three you, years. What would you cook? Baked beans and hot dogs and that sort of stuff. I remember on uh, Sundays I'd make French toast and read the newspapers and eat an enormous amount covered with maple sugar syrup and salt. Did you use cookbooks or did you just kind of... No, I I did have some cookbooks. I must have been interested because I did have... And they're still on bookshelves someplace in Mm. my house now. But I'd look at the pictures and then probably never get around to doing Mm. it. I didn't know there were two kinds of oregano. You didn't know there was dried oregano, you crumble, and fresh oregano, you chop. Now you know. But that's what restaurants are for. And and then uh, now I go out virtually all the time. Every night, do you? Girlfriend likes to cook. Uh, My attitude is there are 25,000 restaurants in New York City. Each one probably has 20 different things on the menu. So that's 25, so that's, it, yeah, that's, that's a million. That's an awful lot of uh, yeah. 25,000 doubled is 50,000 yeah. plus a zero is 500,000. 500,000 possibilities if I go out, one if I stayed at home. <laughs> Did you always know that you wanted to have food, creating a company like Bloomberg? Well, when I started at Solomon Brothers for the 15 years I was there, we did not have food. There might have been coffee, but I don't even remember that. But when I started the company, it was in a one room the first day, two rooms the second day. Um, and we got, I went and bought the first day. I was the only one in the company. Second day, I added three other people. But the one thing I did is I went and I bought a small refrigerator and a coffee pot. And it was from a department store which was on the same spot as my current building there. It was ripped down and they built a building and then we took that space. My job is to get people together. It's the synergy of working together that Mm -hmm. makes you uh, successful, I think, or increases Mm -hmm. the odds on being successful. Uh, It's hard to manage people if they're not together. It's hard for people to be their best if they can't run ideas by other people and learn from other people. Uh, How do you get them together? Well, you have a building where they have to come to, first rule. Second rule is, to the extent possible, you don't have walls. Mm. You have open spaces. In this building, the design from Norman was to not put the elevators in the middle, to have Mm. a big open space, Mm. and put the elevators on the outside and all of the infrastructure on the outside, the plumbing and that sort of thing. So it's exactly the reverse of the buildings you're seeing on the horizon here. They put the least important people, the older executives who are on their ways to retirement, they give them the best offices on the outside. I never never made any sense to me. Those are the people you should put in the middle, and they can help people and then put the younger people out. Uh, But food is another thing. It gets you to sit together, and Mm -hmm. we all entertain together. Our families get together with 
Food's the thing that uh, uh, it's not so much the food, it's that it forces you to be there and touch it and share it, and you're doing the same thing that the other person is. Mm-hmm. Now, if the food's good, that's also beneficial. And healthy. You, you seem to I have, don't know. I would no, take a boar's like head, not work, and bust and baked beans. <laughs> Over anything. Well, they, they said, when I just, I came, went outside and talked to two people, I went up to them, and, you know, I said, okay, can I just ask you what you like about sitting here? And she said, well, we hardly knew each other. We're working in the same department I've just started, and uh, sitting here in this space makes us want to get to know each other, talk, talk about our work. Oh, yeah, I, and I have don't food. think it, there's any they, question, they does it work? It. Yeah, no, they love it, yeah. If the CEO walls her or himself off. Mm-hmm. What kind of a CEO? Yeah. I don't want that person in my yeah. company. Yeah. I have the same size desk right in the middle of the bullpen yeah. like everybody else. And I came back from 12 years in City Hall yeah. and I had had an agreement with New York City I wouldn't go to the company or visit them or talk to right. them about it. So I was totally separate. Mm-hmm. I get back and I'm talking to some people and I we had a rule, no offices, mm-hmm. no private offices. And there weren't any private offices when I came back. But there were a dozen people who had a desk right by a glassed-in conference room where they had their family pictures in it. Uh, on Monday, they came back, and the walls of the offices were gone. I had them taken down over the weekend. And then I realized that they had bigger desks as well. Mm-hmm. You know what happened the next Monday. That's, like that's uh, I'm a believer you treat everybody. Yeah. The, the, the person just starting out is just as important as the one that's really irreplaceable. Yeah. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring. I like to cook, and Diana likes cook. to cook. Yeah, it's nice. But just that our lives are, there isn't yeah. time. What do you cook now? When you go into Shake and bake chicken's the last thing I What's made. That? Uh, you get this stuff in a bag, you put the chicken yeah. in it and shake it, yeah. and then uh, broil it in a frying pan, and I put an extra amount of it in the bottom to soak up all the grease and burn okay. it, and that's what I eat. That oh, crispy, oh, it's so crispy. Good. Okay, Not good for your waistline or yeah. your cholesterol, oh, yeah. Yeah. but it's really good for your But you like that. Taste. I mean, what about what, when you used to take girlfriend? Did you cook for... Yeah, but I don't remember cooking. Maybe I did, but uh, I don't remember cooking. Would you take a, a woman out to a... Which, what We'd was go out to a restaurant. Someone you know, said that you pizza to joint, Staten a hamburger Island. joint. Somebody told Sam that you went on the Staten Island ferry and ate hot dogs. Yeah, 
Yeah, and I used to go, when I was the mayor, uh, I spent a fifth of my time in each of the boroughs, and I was on Staten Island a lot. And it's very different from the rest of the city. Not that there's a couple fancy restaurants, but much more plain kind of food. But I loved it, and the people on Staten Island yeah. were as nice as you could possibly be. The smaller restaurants would serve wine out of paper cartons. Mm. You know, you, the people that drink elegant wines these days make fun of them. But I'll tell you, they were as nice yeah. as people yeah, as you ever want to meet. And the wine wasn't that bad either. Yeah. Do you drink wine? You- I have not had a drink in two and a half years. And I keep saying I'll go back because I love white wine and red wine and beer. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't drink a lot of hard liquor. Yeah. But um, I don't know if I'll go back. I'll see. And so what do you look for in a restaurant? Is it the food? Is it the atmosphere? Is it the uh, food. food? Food. Food. Yeah, I could go to a divey place. Um, I, I love diners mm. um, where everything comes in five minutes, no matter what. They got 50 things on the yeah. menu. How they do that, I don't know. But yeah. it, and it all tastes good, and I, yeah. I'm not fancy. But if I go to a really great restaurant, I appreciate the food, and I like it. Yeah. Can you tell something about a person when you go to a restaurant with them, do you think? Can you tell what they're like? Yeah, I think if I, if I had lunch, a job interview at lunch, and if they had an alcoholic drink at lunch, it would sort of turn me off a little bit. Because? Uh, just wine's appropriate with dinner, not at lunch, just in my mind. Mm. Maybe that's the way I grew up or something. When you told me that when we had dinner last time, it was quite funny because you said I, if I interviewed somebody and they ordered a glass of wine, I might not want to hire them. And Norman Foster said if I interviewed somebody and they didn't order a glass of wine. <laughs> That's what makes a market right there. There's room for everybody. But I think that I asked my children and they said, you know, they drink wine. They said we would never have a glass of wine if we were being interviewed. Do you notice the way they treat a waiter or... I I notice how people treat each other. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, if if they were snapped at the waiter and were nasty or something like that, I would notice that. That would be a turnoff. And as mayor, as a political person, through and through, as an owner of business, what do you feel about government and food? What is your, you know, how do we look at the poverty, the insecurity? Well, I think, you know, government has some responsibilities. One is if people. Uh, don't have uh, enough food, they've got to find ways to get it to them, particularly children. Um, I think government has a responsibility to make sure that the food that's sold in stores is not dangerous. Um, And I do think they should warn uh, against certain things and point out the calories, obesity, two things that will really kill you very, the two biggest causes of death, I think, in America, certainly, smoking and obesity. Mm. And the government, I don't think they should force you to not smoke, but I think they should certainly tell you about the dangers. And in New York, we have a rule, you can't smoke in a place where people work. Mm -hmm. So nobody has to choose between their job and their health. Mm -hmm. But you can go outside and smoke Mm -hmm. and you can buy cigarettes. And I I would defend your right to do that. Um, Not for kids, because kids can't and shouldn't, Mm -hmm. aren't able, no matter what they say, to make those kinds of health Mm -hmm. decisions. In America, the other day, America banned uh, Juul. 
these uh, fake cigarettes. And I think we should keep kids from buying cigarettes, I would uh, agree with and enforce, but not against adults. Being, letting you smoke where other people have to choose between the health and the career, waiters or waitresses, cooks, no, that you should not be allowed to smoke. And that's the, the law that I had passed in yeah, New York say, City protected yeah. the workers. So if you went to a place where there were volunteer waiters, you could smoke because mm. they weren't technically But you working. were the first, weren't you? It was under your I administration th- that stopped first, smoking. I don't know if it was the first, but the first big city to do yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and what about obesity? Did you, what did you do as mayor to... Uh, well, you can't, and I don't think you should, stop people from eating, but we tried to have much healthier food in the mm-hmm. schools mm-hmm. and to have warning labels. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, me... They used to joke about the big gulp uh, when I was, wanted to have people get smaller cups of soda when That's, they bought it. Yeah. You could still buy as many as you want to yeah. drink as much as you want, but just a smaller cup, you, chances are you wouldn't go back for the second cup, yeah. so you would drink less. Mexico at that time was the most obese city yeah. in the, in the maybe still is, I don't know. Uh, but they had a, a maximum size permitted in cups and it, it did help uh, them. So I think government has some responsibilities, but in the end, you are responsible for yourself, and I don't have a problem. If you're not very responsible, you just pay the penalty. But when it's your children, then I think we do have a societal interest in not taking away your responsibility, not telling you what to do, but making sure the kids are treated with the best science that we have at the time. Your generosity in feeding and taking care of the people who work here is extraordinary. Um, but there was a time when you had to close your office and food was not available. What did you do during the pandemic? Well, one of the things we did, we, um, you know, all our employees got paid, but we also paid the companies that provide services. We use outside services, you know, electricians and plumbers and some cleaning and security functions. Companies would tend to outside, uh, and we made sure we continued to have those people paid while we were closed. So if you had worked here for another company, we didn't pay the company. We paid, had them send the money directly to the employees. Yeah, and so food is something we do to encourage people to come to work, to feed them well, to feed our citizens well. It is also delicious, and it's exciting, and it is family. I'm with you. But it also is comfort, isn't it? In times when we sort of think about what would make us feel better in ourselves, if you're down, if something has happened, you might turn to music for comfort, you might turn to art for comfort, but you also might turn to food for comfort. Yeah, I would use the word nibble. Nibble. So I was going to ask you, what would be your comfort food? Well, I'm addicted to popcorn. Mm Mm-hmm with probably too much salt, although the doctor says I have low blood pressure, so he said you don't have to stop. Cheez-Its are an American little biscuit. Uh, Probably not good for you, but I could eat bags of Cheez-Its. Love it. Jelly beans, um, those kinds of things. I try not to eat too much fattening stuff, and I do watch my weight. You look very fit. Um, The last couple of days I've eaten more than I should have. Is that because you go out for... for I was just where the food was good and stuck in front of you. Yeah. Um, 
the conversation wasn't boring, but other people were eating, and so I went. That's, but that's I, I would. Pleasure. I don't eat a lot of red meat anymore. I'd mm. love a big American steak, but I wouldn't have one very often. Mm. Maybe once every two months or something. Mm. Uh, hamburgers and hot dogs, love those. But a lot of times. I would have a piece of chicken or fish just because of yeah. lower calories. Well, we're going to see each other on Thursday night where we celebrate you. Can I ask the what the menu time. is? might be a surprise, but it might involve a lot of vegetables and pasta to start. And then, you know, I, I'm sort of slightly going off the idea of a big main course. And also we're not eating till nine. So I think we'll keep it kind of light. Do you like that idea? Um, sure. I'll Do you have some objections? What would you like no, to No, I'm going to have a hot dog and hamburger before, before? I leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, looking forward to it, and thank you. And, and then I'm getting a plane and going back to uh, uh, dealing with American cooking. And then you'll come back to us. Used to come here an awful lot, stopped during the virus, starting again. I've been here uh, three times in the last two months. Well, London's a better city when you're here, so I don't come know about back. that, but I think London's a wonderful city. My former wife, who is still one of my best friends, is a Brit. Oh. Father was in the RAF. She grew up around here. Mother came from York, father from the Isle of Wight. And I don't know that she cooked British food, but I do remember when we first, when we got married, she had a hot water bottle. Yeah, in bed. Sure, yeah. Only the Brits. I didn't That's know anybody funny. that yeah. did that. Yeah. So. Thank you very much. Nice my to My pleasure, see you. thank you. Right, and looking yeah. forward to dinner. I know. Have a nice time. Thanks. The River Cafe Lookbook is now available in bookshops and online. It has over 100 recipes beautifully illustrated, with photographs from the renowned photographer Matthew Donaldson. The book has 50 delicious and easy-to-prepare recipes, including a host of River Cafe classics that have been specially adapted for new cooks. The River Cafe Lookbook, recipes for cooks of all ages. Ruthie's Table 4 is a production of iHeartRadio and Atomize Studios. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this show is sponsored by better help it's a simple truth no matter who you are mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference that's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's better, H-E-L-P dot com.